beginning at the first verse. If you have it, say amen. Amen. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. Here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Amen. We're going to stop there. Amen. And I want to today paint a picture of a dysfunctional family. Paint a picture today of a dysfunctional family. Amen. Y'all getting ahead of me. <laughs> First of all, as I was looking at one of the main characters of this particular, and, and we're going to consider this entire chapter, so if you want to hold it open there, there's 46 verses, I only read a few verses. Uh, we want to consider the entire chapter. Um, and as I was considering one of the main characters, of this, um, this particular episode, I was, my mind flashed back to yesterday afternoon. I had the occasion to watch one of the most dramatic tennis matches I've seen in quite some time. Uh, for years now, one of my favorite tennis players has been Serena and Venus Williams. And yesterday, Serena took on a young lady by the name of Naomi Osaka, um, who is a African-American, Japanese young lady, 20 years old, very strong, coming up the ranks, and has been playing lights out. Uh, they were playing, and this young girl, and I, I'm going to tell you, I'm rooting for Serena because uh, as she gets, she's always um, been dear to my heart because of her, 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 um, her physical uh, abilities as well as her personality and her strong will. And uh, so I'm always rooting for the sister. Trust me, I'm always rooting for the sister. And, um, but on the other hand, I had some mixed emotions because Naomi is also a sister. Yeah, yeah. Half Japanese, half African American, whatever the case may be, and a bright young lady with a wonderful personality and a great sense of humor. Um, and uh, so childlike. And they, they played a great uh, first set although uh, uh, Naomi soundly beat um, Serena to my surprise and um, was, was acting like she was just going to walk away with it. Mm -hmm. And in the second set, something happened. In the second set, something that I've never seen as long as I've been watching tennis and I've been watching it for a while, uh, the umpire 
uh, calls uh, Sabrina out, Serena out, uh, and says, uh, gives her a warning for coaching coming from her coach sitting in the stands. Never, never hear that. You never see that. That's something that's never called. And, and as a result of that, it, it, it irritated Serena, and she had some words with the umpire. And later on, she, out of frustration because of a bad service game, she, she uh, damaged her racket. And then he gave her a second warning for that. And uh, then later on, gave her a third warning because she addressed him for the fact that she was offended by the fact that he would suggest that she had been cheating. And she called him out and she said, you stole that point from me because a point was taken from her at first and then a game was taken from her. And, and as a result, it ended what could have been, what might have been another fantastic comeback. And Naomi wound up winning the game. But in the process, she said to him, I don't cheat. She says, matter of fact, I've never cheated. I don't need to cheat. If I have to cheat to win, then I just won't do. And, 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 and I thought about uh, her and her declaration that she says, I, I, I'm in this game and I play it for myself. I don't need any help. Wasn't looking for any help. And the fact that you accuse me of that, I'm disappointed. In fact, she told him, she said, apologize right now. Right. She said, apologize. And he refused to apologize. And she said to him, then stop talking to me. Stop, stop, stop talking to me. And she eventually, she lost that match. Um, and, and, and I looked at what the main point there was, that she was offended at the beginning and Folk, some folk, a few folk might say, well, she was too emotional. She shouldn't have uh, responded that way. Uh, so when you're mistreated, mm -hmm. and when you're right and you know you're right, as an African-American, you shouldn't say nothing. You should just be quiet and take what is coming your way. She didn't do that. She ain't never done that. She never will. She said, I'm not a cheater. Now, in this story I've read for you, the person that I'm thinking of could not say that. <laughs> he, in fact, was a cheater yeah, yeah. from the very beginning. As a matter of fact, he was born cheating. He was born trying to grab his brother by the heels because he wanted what his brother had. And, and so as we look at this real quickly, I want to say to you what you already know, and that is that there is no such thing as a perfect family. Never has been and never will be as long as sin is part of the human condition. Sin distorts everything we do and say. It colors our life in such a way that no marriage, no family, no parent-child relationship is truly perfect. Now, having said that, it's not surprising that when we turn to the pages of the Bible, we don't have to look very far to find dysfunctional family relationships. Think about the first family, Adam and Eve. They, they got, they, 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 they turned on each other. They, as, as Trump would say, they flipped on each other. He said it was her fault. She said, you know, she said it was the serpent's fault. 
And, and, and so they, they, they blamed each other for their own disobedience. Then look at their children. Cain murdered his brother Abel. Think about Noah's three sons. Ham disgraced his father by uncovering his nakedness. Think about Abraham and Sarah. He lied about his wife calling her his sister and his nephew Lot turned out to be a great disappointment. Can I just pause right here and do a side note because there's a lot of preaching right here. There's a lot of preaching. And by the way, Pastor Kate, I want to thank you for that sermon you gave me. I'm going to preach it real soon. It's going to be called Beautiful Scars. Be beautiful Scars. Yeah, I got some scars, but they are beautiful. And, 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 and I, I'm looking at nephew, at his nephew Lot here. Uh, and and when, when you read the Bible and when God told uh, Abraham to go into a land that he was going to show him. The Bible indicates that God spoke to Abraham, but then in the next verse it says, and Lot went with him. Uh -huh. Oh, I'm about to help you in a minute. The Lord spoke to Abraham and Lot went with him. Yeah. The difference between those two is God spoke to Abraham and told him to go. God never said anything to Lot, but Abraham allowed him to go with him. Yeah. There are some people that God has not, uh, 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 has not ordained should go with you, but you've allowed them to tag along. And you're not going to get to where you need to go until you let them go. That's another sermon right there. You know what happened between Lot and Abraham later on. But, but, but Lot was never intended by God to go with Abraham to the land that he had called him to. So there are some things we got to make sure that we're following God's directions precisely. Well, I'm, I'm not through with this family yet. Look at David. Although he was a great king, a great warrior, and a great poet, as a father and a husband, he was a failure. Yes. His first marriage was largely a failure. His second marriage to Bathsheba was based on an adulterous affair. And his son Absalom turned against him. As his kingdom fell apart, so did his family. What, what, what am I trying to tell you? I'm just trying to tell you, if you got a dysfunctional family, if you got a family that's kind of messed up sometimes, if you got a family that you don't always want to claim, I'm here to tell you that you're not by yourself. And, 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 and maybe you ought not be, be, be having pity parties for yourself because you got such a dysfunctional family. Everybody who has to deal with sin has potential to have dysfunction in the middle of their family. And if you want another example, this thing just goes through the generations. Look at the family of Jacob and Esau. Two, two, two generations before, there was Abraham and Sarah. And the dysfunction began when Sarah is unable to conceive, so Abraham sleeps with Hagar, Sarah's maidservant. When Abraham goes in to Hagar, a son is created whose name is Ishmael. And the resulting relationship caused so much strain between Sarah and Hagar that Hagar runs away. Uh, you know, you know, you, you know, you understand that. There ain't a sister in here. I said, there ain't a sister in here. 
who, who would put up with another woman all right, all right. in your house with your husband and she's got a baby by him and you don't. Oh, that's, that's that, 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 no, 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 no. And, 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 and so there, there was all kinds of problems that came up. And not only did Sarah and Hagar not get along, but Ishmael and Isaac didn't get along either. And now we pass to the second generation. Isaac marries Rebecca. Yeah, y'all keeping up with this? Yeah, yeah. Isaac Mar Listen, there's a whole lot of TV series in this. <laughs> y'all watching Netflix and all that. Y'all need to read your Bible. You need, look at your neighbor and say, you need to read your Bible more. You can save that Netflix money. So, so, so Rebecca, uh, uh, Isaac marries Rebecca, and 20 years later, she gives birth to Jacob and Esau. But the boys are very different, and Isaac prefers Esau, uh -huh. while Rebecca loves Jacob. Now, that, that family favoritism is not hidden to the two boys. They, they become rivals, not allies. Uh -huh. while, while sibling rivalry is a fact of life, even in the best of families, when it comes to a dysfunctional family, the rivalry can take over. Yeah. It can become a major part of their family life. And that's what happens with Jacob and Esau. And because they have such different personalities and because of parent uh, favoritism, they are destined to be rivals and sometimes bitter enemies as long as they live. Now, when we come to Genesis chapter 27, the three generations of family dysfunction are about to come to a climax. These patterns of unhealthy relationships are ultimately going to destroy Jacob's own family. And what you see at the beginning of this chapter is a family that, while they're not working well together, very well, at least they are staying together. By the end of the chapter, the family has been blown apart. There are four characters in this story. Isaac, the father, Rebekah, the mother, and the two sons, Jacob and Esau. Now, note this, these two facts about these four characters. Number one, all four are presented in a negative light in this chapter. When you read this chapter, you don't see anything positive about either one of these. Everything is negative. Not only that, think about this. Watch this. Watch this. These four people never appear together at the same time. Oh, see, that, that was so deep it just went by you. Look at this. This is supposed to be a family. But in the whole chapter, not one time do you see where all four of them are together. So let me just give you a quick outline of what's going on here. The first thing that you're going to see in this story is disobedience. The story begins with Isaac believing that he is about to die. His dream is that he wants to make sure that before he dies, that his son Esau receives the blessing of the firstborn. Uh, uh, Isaac is now old. He's, he's frail and, and, and his eyesight is failing him. And so he calls for Esau and he sends him out to hunt for some wild game. Isaac says, prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, the intentions are clear. Isaac still wants Esau 
to have the rights of the firstborn after he is dead. What's wrong with that? Well, ordinarily, nothing would be wrong with that, but God had already spoken and had declared before the boys were born that the older will serve the younger. That means that in doing what he's trying to do, uh, uh, Isaac is getting ready to treat uh, 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 Jacob as though he is the firstborn. And throughout all the years, Isaac had apparently never been willing to accept God's choice of Jacob over Esau. Church, I want to tell you, whether you like it or not, you need to learn how to accept God's choice. Whatever God's choice is for you, you need to learn how to accept God's choice. Don't, don't, don't be, all these years, now this, these boys have been here for quite some time, and all these years, he knew, Isaac knew what God, whose God's choice was, but even at the point of death, he is still determined that he's going to have his own way. And some of us in here, God has uh, allowed you to understand what his choice was yes. for you in your life. But even now, you're still trying to scheme and figure out how you can have your way. And I've come to tell you, you need to let God choose for you and then just be obedient to his choice. Let, let, let me tell you something. There, there, there's four, th four mistakes that Isaac is making here. Number one, he's clearly trying to overturn what God has said. Right. Number two, he is ruled completely by his senses. He's ruled by what he likes. He, 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 he likes one son better than the other because of, of, of his physical characteristics and, and, and because of the thing. He's more, he thinks he's more like him. And the third thing is he ignores the fact that Esau, hear me now, Esau is spiritually unqualified for the blessing. You got to stop blessing folk who are spiritually unqualified for the blessing. And the fourth thing is he conspires in secret with Esau to hide his plan from Rebekah and Jacob. He's telling Esau in secret what he wants him to do because he doesn't want Rebekah or Jacob to know what he's doing. None of this matters to Isaac. He, he wants his favorite son to have the blessing. And so even if he has to connive, to make it happen, even if he has to collude <clears throat> to make it happen, he, he's going to do that because that's what he wants. If, if he has to deceive his wife and his other son, then so be it. So the first thing we see is disobedience. The second thing we see is deception. The plan did not work out because Rebecca was a wife that Listen in on her, her, her what on her husband's huh? on her husband's conversation. See, and Rebecca was secretly. Listen, we're gonna talk after this. Rebecca was secretly listening to Isaac and Jake, uh, Esau. And, and, and so there, there, there's secrecy and deception on both sides. Amen. She then repeats to Jacob what she overheard. 
And then she cooks up a scheme of her own. She said, two can play at that game. More deception, more secrecy. Her plan is simple. Jacob, you got to go out and kill two choice goats. While, while, while your brother Esau is out there hunting, you, you do it the short way. Go, go, go kill a couple of goats, and I'm going to cook it up for you. You ain't got to worry about cooking. I'm going to cook it up, and we, you can serve it to your father while pretending to be your brother and trick Isaac into giving you his blessing. Now, listen to this. When Jacob hears this amazing plan, you know what? He doesn't have an issue with whether or not it's wrong. His only question is, he said, but what if I get caught? He said, what, what, what if I get caught? If, if I show up, my father knows the difference between my voice and my brother's voice. Not only that, but what if he, what if he decides to reach out and touch me? Yeah, yeah. He knows I got smooth skin. My brother's got hairy skin. What, what, what if I, then he'll know. Uh, no, he doesn't say he'll know. He says it would appear. It would appear that I am deceiving him. What do you mean it would appear that you are, does it, you are deceiving him. It, it, he's more worried about the appearance than anything else. Uh, no, 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 may, maybe this is where we get alternative facts. Yeah, so, so here he is, he, he, he says, there, and, and let me tell you, there, there's a difference between appearance and reality when deception is involved. Jacob doesn't seem to appreciate that point. Now we find out who's really in charge, Rebecca. Re when, when, when he says, but a curse will come upon me if I am caught, Rebecca, she, she, she in the words of, of, of mothers throughout history, she just said to him, you just do what I say. You, 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 do, what, you do what I say. Rebecca is clearly the dominant leader in this family. You, you can characterize her personality with four words, strong, resourceful, Decisive, cunning. Who thought of the deception? Rebecca did. Who said, go get the food? Rebecca did. Who said, put on this goat skin? Rebecca did. Who said, let the blame fall on me? Rebecca did. Who said, leave home until Esau cools off? That was Rebecca. At every point, she was in charge. She always had an answer for every question and a solution for every problem. One question though, if this was so wrong, why did Jacob do it? Number one, you could say because he was under pressure from his mother, or you could say because he wanted the blessing so badly, or you could say because he believed the end justified the means, or you could say because he didn't respect his father like he should have. I think Jacob said to himself, listen to this, you heard something like this before, God wants me to have the blessing. So if I have to cheat a little bit to get it, that's all right. God will understand. Well, Jacob is half right. God did want him to have the blessing. And God did understand what he was doing, but that didn't make it right. Let, 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 let me tell you something. God, God's got a blessing for you. 
but he intends for you to get it the right way. You can't make it up as you go. You can't decide that you're going to do the wrong thing to get the right results. You can't determine that you know better than God how to bless you. God's been in the blessing business a long time. He knows how to bless you with blessings that nobody else has. He knows how to bless you in a way that nobody else can curse you. God knows how to open up doors that have been closed in your face. God knows how to make a way out of no way. You got to stop acting like you are bigger than God. He's bigger than that. I said he's bigger than that. I thought somebody would say something on that. He's bigger than that. Yeah, so, so, so what happens next then is so well known that I don't even need to repeat. Jacob wearing the goat skins, he prepared, prepared by his mother, he carries some food to his father, and Isaac, although he is old and decrepit, he senses something is wrong. His mind tells him that Esau couldn't have gotten the wild game so fast. He said, how did you do that so fast? And then he un understood that this doesn't sound like Esau. Now, watch how Jacob deceives his father. Number one, y'all getting this? Number one, deliberate deception. He says, I am Esau, your firstborn. Not only that, but there was blasphemy involved. When his father asked him, how did you get that so fast? He had the audacity to say, the Lord your God gave me success. Oh, I wish I had time to preach this like I want to. Yeah, the third thing he said, there, 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 there was a repeated deception. When, when his father asked him, are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. That's the second thing. And, and then there was a dishonest intimacy. He went to him and kissed him. I'm trying to tell you hard as I can, everybody kissing on you don't really love you. Ask Jesus what happened between him and Judas. Yeah, I, 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 ask what happened with Isaac and, and Jacob here. So, so, so here he is, he goes and he kisses him. That's dishonest intimacy. Oh, I wish I had some time. I, I really would like to talk about dishonest intimacy. Everybody trying to get lovey-dovey in your face. They don't really care about you. Oh, there are too many children in here, but adults, I'm trying to tell you hard as I can that, that everybody trying to show you some affection really don't mean you no good. You, you a notch on their belt. Y'all ain't getting it, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so listen, the, the last thing is this. There's a misleading detail because Isaac, when he caught the smell of his clothes, he, he didn't realize that Jacob was wearing Esau's clothes, and that kind of sealed the deal. When he smelled the clothes, he thought, well, maybe this is Esau. But now that shouldn't surprise us because that's what happens when you set off on a path of deception. Listen, whenever you say it doesn't matter how we do it, you know, Jacob's lies are bound to happen because he decided that the end justifies the mean. 
and soon one lie leads to another and then another and finally you have to keep on lying to cover up your previous lies. Listen, one, one lie invites another lie. And then that lie invites another lie. And before you know it, you're overrun with lies. Yeah, yeah, but, but what we need is make sure we stick to the, as that old folks said, the naked truth. I, you, you ever heard the story of that? The, the story is told that the truth and a lie went swimming one day. And they took off their clothes and jumped into the water. And, and the lie jumped out of the water before the truth did and he put on the truth's clothing. And when the truth got out the water and he recognized what the lie had did, rather than putting on a lie's clothing, he walked away from there without any clothes at all. He said, before I, before I put on the clothes of a liar, I'll just be the naked truth. Uh, you didn't know where that came from, did you? So listen. So Isaac set aside his doubts and he gives Jacob thinking that he is Esau the blessing. And the blessing basically involves three things. Personal prosperity, preeminence, and protection by God. Verses 28-29. Alright? Now, Jacob now receives the blessing from Isaac that was revealed in the Abrahamic covenant. On one other note, in the same story, the question is, who is deceiving who? On one hand, Jacob is definitely deceiving his father, Isaac. But Isaac, because he thinks that Jacob is really Esau, mm -hmm. thinks he's deceiving Jacob by giving the blessing to Esau. Both intended to deceive the other, but only Jacob succeeds. Mm -hmm. The most uh, amazing point about this is, through this act of deception, Get this, follow this, and this is going to be hard to, 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 to reconcile, but in the midst of all this deception, guess what? God's will is still done. You just can't get around God's will. I don't care how many folk lie and scheme and try to deceive. In the end, God's will will be done. Did you hear what I'm saying? And the reason his will is going to be done, John, is because he's bigger than that. He's bigger than your lies. He's bigger than your deception. He's bigger than all of that stuff. And so even in the words of Joseph many years later, he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Oh, I, somebody in here ought to be able to leave here today understanding that what other folk meant for evil, God meant it for your good. So even when folk do evil to you, even when folk try to destroy you, even when folk try to kill you off, don't, don't worry about it because God already has a plan and God is going to work it out. So even if you have been a, a television star and appeared on the Cosby show and now you're working at Trader Joe's and somebody takes a picture of you and try to job shame you and says, look, 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 look at what he's doing now. God will use that. Turn around and, and tell Tyler Perry, offer him a job. God will use that and tell somebody else, give him some money. God will use what your enemies try to destroy you with and he'll use it to raise you up. 
final thing is we see a disintegration of this family. Verses 30 through chapter 28 and verse 9. Jacob has what he wanted all along, but because he got it through fraudulent means, he's going to have to pay a heavy price. Uh, years ago, years ago, I, I, I heard a preacher preach a sermon, and I, I had to take it and preach it myself one time. He said, you got what you wanted, but you lost what you had. You got to be careful how you're around here searching for stuff and you think you want this and you think you want that. And then you go to extreme lengths to get it. And in the end, you wind up losing what you had. Once you get it, you wind up realizing you was better off without it. Once you get it, you realize you should have stayed where you were. Jacob got what he wanted, but his family was destroyed. Jacob got what he wanted, but he was penniless. Jacob got what he wanted, but he was homeless. Jacob got what he wanted, but he wound up fleeing for his life. Jacob got what he wanted, but he was separated from his brother. He got what he wanted, but he has humiliated his father. And as far as we know, he never saw his mother, Rebecca, again. He had to leave because when his brother Esau got home, yeah. And figured out what he had done. He said, I'm going to kill him. And Rebecca sent him off. She said, you got to go somewhere and stay until your brother calms down. Listen, I'm telling you, when you do wrong, in the end, it's going to come back to haunt you. Yeah, and understand that even if you think you're helping God out, God doesn't need your help. Yeah, God didn't need Jacob's help. He didn't need Rebecca's help. If God wants to, he can work a miracle. Yeah. Or he can arrange circumstances. Or he could change Isaac's mind. Or he could just strike him dead. God is creative. Yeah. I said God is creative. Yeah. He can build what he needs to build. He can make what he needs to make. He can create what he needs to create. Whatever God needs to do, he can do it in order to make sure his will comes to pass. But when we interfere, when we try to help God out, we only mess things up. The, the truth is, wherever we try to help God out, whatever, whatever it was that we wanted, the price will be too high. If you try to help God out, the price you pay is going to be too much. But what I'm here to tell you is that no matter what your situation is, you may be tempted to say, God, you're not moving fast enough. But I've just come to tell you as I get ready to close here that you need to wait on God. Do I have a witness here? Whatever it is that you've been expecting of God. You need to just sit still and let God do his work. Do I have a witness here? When I was young and growing up, I would be at my granddaddy's house. And on a hot summer day like today, it would not be unusual for a thunderstorm to come up. And when that thunderstorm comes up, uh, you would hear my granddaddy say, y'all go somewhere and sit down and be quiet. Why? Because God is working. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody. If uh, you're in the midst of a storm, 
that's a good time to go somewhere and sit down because God, God is working. Do I have a witness in here? Is there anybody here that's ever been in the midst of a storm? Is there anybody in here that's ever been in the midst of trouble? Is there anybody in here that's ever been in a dark and lonely place? But instead of trying to work it out, you just went somewhere in your secret closet and you sat down and you waited on God and you told God, Lord, here I am and I'm down here waiting on you. I wish I had a witness in here and I can't. I can't do nothing until you come. I ought to have about five people in here that don't mind testifying. If you wait on the Lord, he will. Ooh, he will. He'll make a way for you. Anybody in here know that God is able. Don't y'all fool me. I need somebody that can testify that you know that you know that the God that you serve he will, he will he will, he will make a way for you yes he will all you gotta do is just pray that prayer that Jesus taught the disciples and don't forget the ended saying Lord let thy will be done. Is there anybody in here ever told the Lord, say, Lord, not my will, but let your will, let it be done. Yeah. Won't he help you out? Won't he pick you up? Won't he turn you around? Say yeah. Yeah. I'm doing the best I can. Yeah, he'll make a way. Yeah, tell your neighbor, he'll make a way. Come on, you ain't saying nothing. Tell your neighbor, won't he make a way? Won't he, won't he, won't he, won't he, won't he, won't he? Away. He'll make a way. I didn't have to die myself. He'll make a way. I don't need y'all to say nothing. I know he'll make a way. Maybe he hadn't done it for you, but he's done it for me. I'm speaking for myself. You gotta speak for yourself. But I know, I know, I know that he will, he will, he will make a way. Everyone is standing to your feet. Thank you.